0: Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. Join us as we journey together through the book of First Peter in our current series entitled Living Hope. We pray that this message will encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Well, it was December, right? It's cold outside. And so I'm playing Robin Hood in the house and she's like, you're going to break something. Quit doing that. You see where this is going, right? And here's the thing, kids, if kids are going to break something, they never break something that you don't care about, right? They never just break the random plain green ornament on the tree. They have to break something of significance. And so, of course, um, this is actually kind of sad. I broke an ornament with my sword, um, and it was an ornament that um, a family member had given to my mom before he passed away, and I broke that ornament. Praise God for all of our kids' workers. Amen. Aren't we so grateful for all of our kids' volunteers? Kids are uh, a handful. It's been almost 25 years since I broke that ornament. I still feel bad about it. I'm happy to report that through the process of sanctification and discipleship, I have become more like Jesus, and it has been a full 25 years since I have broken anything pretending to be Robin Hood. I have put that away. I have put the sword away. Um, but we're going to see today in First Peter chapter two, if you want to find chapter two, we're going to see our author Peter, has literally and figuratively done the same thing. He has put the sword away, and we are going to learn how to follow in his footsteps and imitating, not just Peter, but imitating who he was imitating our Savior, Jesus Christ. We started last week talking about how the back half of this series picks up on a concept that has kind of become a curse word in America. That's the topic of submission. None of us like that word submission. But last week we looked at what it looks like to submit, to to place ourselves under, to make more valuable than even our own thoughts, submitting our identity to Jesus Christ. Finding Our Identity in Him. Today is going to be a much less popular sermon on all the podcasts, I think. Today we're going to talk about what does it look like to submit to authorities that are placed in our life, um, especially as it relates to our role as citizens and employees and whatever. If you're a guest today, listen, I can promise you something. There may be churches and pastors around that love to talk about politics. I... Am not him. I, I I do not enjoy talking about politics, but I do enjoy talking about the Bible, and I do enjoy looking at what the Word of God says, even in difficult passages, and figuring out what that means, what it meant then, and what it means for us. Today, so if you come back next week, we're not going to talk about politics, but today we're going to talk about authority. We're still not really going to talk about politics, but it affects that. And we're going to look at what does it look like for us as citizens? What does it look like for us as employees to be underneath different types of authority? Anybody else nervous? Just me. OK, cool. You're like, I brought a friend today, pastor. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bring them back, OK? Bring them back. Okay, let's read our first section. First Peter chapter two, the word of the Lord, verse 13. Be subject, that's that phrase that means submit, come under, place yourself under. Be subject for the Lord's sake. And that's an important thing. You might just circle that in your notes or in your Bible. We don't do this just to be people pleasers. We do this as unto God. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors that sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Verse 15 says a phrase that we don't see a whole lot in the New Testament. We see it a few times, and I think when we do see it, we ought to pay attention. I think it has the potential to, to unlock some, some different types of experiences and, and living. I think we can live better when we listen to the Bible say, this is the will of God. This is the will of God for you. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, we could spend a whole hour here, right, talking about the exceptions. As Peter calls us to civil obedience, we could spend a long time talking about civil disobedience and when that's acceptable. You could just scan through your Bible and see Daniel is told not to pray, and he prays anyway, and and the three Hebrew boys are told uh, told to bow, and they won't bow. Peter himself, along with John, told summoned by the authorities to stop preaching the gospel, Peter pretty much says, look, hey, if we should listen to you or God, that's you can figure that out. We're going to keep listening to God and we're going to keep preaching the gospel. So there's a time that certainly we do not... Do what an authority tells us to do if it causes us to not do what God has told us to do. We submit to God first, and if it comes down to him or government or him or our boss or him or our parents or whatever, we choose God. But we do not disobey and disrespect authority just because we disagree with it or because even if it's evil. Okay, Let me like condense it down to something you can take home. We submit to authority like we always do. We submit to authority unless submission makes us sin. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, fine, I'll do that. I'll 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 break God's law and I'll do this because you told me to. We're going to choose what God says. But the rest of the time, in neutral matters, we are going to submit. And that's kind of crazy for us to talk about in 2021. There may be times for civil disobedience, but Peter doesn't. Peter doesn't speak of those exemptions at all, even to a suffering audience. If you haven't been here, Peter's writing to these Christians that are scattered through what would be modern-day Turkey, and they're suffering, and they're being persecuted. And it would be very easy for Peter to give some disclaimers about the times you don't have to submit, but he doesn't focus on any of that. And he reminds us of what we said last week, that we ought to watch how we live because people watch how we live. He says again here, backing that up, this is the will of God. By doing good, by submitting, you will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. People that have something to say about Christianity because they've seen negative examples, one of the ways you shut that up and give people a different picture of what God is like and what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to submit even to unjust authority. Even in suffering, even in bad government, we shut those mouths by living Christ-like lives. We show a watching world what Jesus is like by living different lives. Why would anyone want to follow Jesus if we live exactly like they do? Why would I want to change if there's nothing to change into? But one of the ways Peter says, to distinguish yourself, to be so different from the world, is not just by going to church on Sunday. It's not just by listening to Christian music in 90.3 or whatever. One of the ways to distinguish yourself is to submit even when it's difficult by being peacemakers, by, by not being pulled into the same nonsense the rest of our world is when it comes to pointing fingers and spitting hatred and stirring up division and drawing these lines in the sand, Peter says, listen, live honorably. Remember verse 12, he said, live honorably. Conduct yourselves honorably before the Gentiles, before the outsiders, that they might see the way that you live and even give glory to God. People, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. The other would see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. People are going to see the way you live and it's going to change the way they see God. That's a big deal. And so Peter fleshes that out in different areas. Today we're looking at government and bosses. Next week, maybe a little more exciting, we're looking at relationships and marriages and stuff like that. And and the interesting thing is, different and unique to this passage from other biblical passages. Most of the time that we see a list, like Paul gives us several, of how to conduct yourself, Most of those lists come from both sides. So it'll be like husbands, wives, parents, children, citizens, leaders. Peter doesn't do that. Peter's speaking to a suffering, marginalized audience, and he tells them how to act when they are in these positions where they're likely to be abused or taken advantage of. He doesn't speak to kings. He doesn't speak to bosses. He doesn't speak to emperors. He speaks to us. In positions of where we have to deal with authority. Submission, what a concept in our world. And yet, Peter says this is a primary mark of the grace and goodness of God in the life of a believer. Not just, you know, blind submission to anyone and everything, and everybody can just tell us what to do and we're pushovers. It's not what he's saying, okay? Don't be a doormat. Be a disciple. That's what Peter's saying. I'm not calling you to be a pushover, but I'm calling you to be a follower of Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Be like Jesus. That's the point. It's not fit in and be likable and and, and be be a people pleaser. That's not the point. Be like Jesus is the point. And what is Jesus like? The maker of heaven and earth, God in the flesh, humbles himself. King of kings, Lord of lords, ruler of nations, prince of peace, humble servant, suffering king. He humbles himself. So so listen, we don't submit because it's a polite thing to do. And we don't submit to an idea or a construct. We submit to a person. We willingly submit ourselves to God. God. And that sometimes look like submitting ourselves to the authorities that he is very aware of. He is not surprised or stunned by anybody that's an authority in your life, and he can even use their wickedness for good—ultimate good—in your story or or in the big picture. And so we 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 submit ourselves not to something or some idea. We submit ourselves to someone named Jesus, and he tells us to live differently. Now, I know it's hard to look at our circumstances and obey this teaching. It's very easy to read that and go, well, that wasn't written in 2020 or 2021 because this is a different time. And again, I'm not political. I'm not going to take stances. Don't read into my list. But we live in a time of not my president. We live in a time of defund the police. We live in a time of the election was stolen or rigged. We live in a time of... the stuff you said started these riots and so forth surely Peter can't expect us to submit to these kinds of leaders whatever side you're on but before we dismiss what he says let's remember a couple things number one this is the word of God it is timeless and if we study it in its context and we understand what it's trying to say to us it always speaks to us number two Let's remember the context that it was written in. Who is in charge when Peter writes these words? I I dare say you would be happy to have traded the leaders of his day for any of the last half dozen presidents we've had or candidates. Who was in charge for these Christians? Who was in charge for Peter? Who was in authority? Who was on the throne? We have Pilate. We have Felix. We have Nero. These are not just biblical characters. These are historical characters. You can learn about these in your history class. These are emperors that are evil, wicked people. Nero got pretty big into go-kart racing, or I mean uh, chariot racing. But there's a problem. There's no street lights in the first century, and he wants to practice at night. I wish I was making this up. What does he do? He found Christians that wouldn't bow to Rome, he found Christians that kept talking about Jesus, and he put them in tar, and he used them as human torches so he could practice his chariot racing and to make an example of them to anybody that thought they could resist his leadership. That's who's on the throne when Peter tells us to submit to authority. This is the same Nero that, widely agreed, is the source. He's the arsonist behind the great burning of Rome. It's himself who burns his own city, and then when everybody goes crazy about it, he blames the Christians and has even more of them killed. If we go outside of the Bible and look at Bible history, Peter himself will have his life, he will give his life as a martyr under the reign of Nero. So before we go, I mean, I don't know about submitting, like this is the context that Peter is in when he tells us, listen, submit, live differently, be like Jesus. That's a big deal, Peter says we, we submit to rulers even like this. We respond differently than everybody else when it comes to authority. And when we do that, it's one of the strongest arguments we make against what the world thinks of our Christ and of his Christians. Listen, if you're a work in progress in this area, it's okay. If you're like, man, I get pretty upset about some of that stuff. I speak up. I've said some things that weren't so honorable. It's okay. Peter didn't learn this overnight either. You might remember um, there was a certain time that Jesus was up praying with his disciples, and some people came to arrest Jesus, and Peter didn't say, I accept this arrest as the good and perfect will of the Lord. I trust, I submit to this authority. Peter pulled a Robin Hood and drew his sword and we always remember the the story that he cut off an ear and jesus put it back on like mr potato head or something you know and just it's kind of this cool little jesus story let me ask you something of what we know of peter of combustible frustrated lash out peter do you think that he was like all right i'm gonna cut off your ear as a warning shot He had that kind of precision in the night to just aim for the ear or was Peter swinging to chop heads and lucky for that guy it might have been a cooler story if he just put his head back on but the ear is pretty cool. Um, He he drew the sword looking to take things into his own hands. He he was going to be in control. He's not going to submit to this. That Peter grows up develops and decades later an older wiser Peter writes these words and he says to us listen I've put that sword away I don't do whatever feels right to me in the moment even in righteous anger I trust God look at verse 16 he says live as people who are free there's a fascinating contrast here he says free not using your freedom as a cover up for evil but living as servants of God We are free servants, free slaves. And then he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Live as people who are free, live as servants. Freedom is for serving. Jesus didn't set you free and forgive you of your sins so you could do whatever you feel like and say whatever you feel like and act however you want. He purchased you with the price that you might serve him and be effective in the way that you live for him and be effective in the way that you serve other people. And one of the most effective ways you can do that is by being different under bad authority. And then I love the little staircase that that Peter gives us. He, he, He gives us a level playing field here. Who should I honor? Who should I respect? Who should I treat with dignity? Peter says, honor everyone elbow somebody say even you even you as Christians we are to honor everyone then he takes it up a notch and says love the brotherhood who's the brotherhood not Robin Hood brotherhood That's that's the church, right? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's like, man, honor everyone. There's a special love for those of us who are in Christ together. Then he shoots it out of the room and into the heavens with fear God. This is the, the ultimate place of honor, the ultimate place of respect. And then he drops it down again and says, even Nero, honor the emperor. Here's the question this morning. Are we treating everyone with honor? Look, I'm not perfect online. Um, I posted a meme this week and somebody got offended by it and I deleted it, right? Like, sometimes I don't get it right. But I'm fairly decent at social media and trying to maintain honor. I don't talk about politics. I don't argue politics. I don't criticize restaurants. About the only argument I ever get on a Facebook is Jordan versus LeBron. Jordan wins. But in personal conversation, do I honor everyone? Lord, forgive me. I do not. I do not. Do I treat everyone with respect? Do I speak honorably of people I don't vote for, bosses I don't like? And listen, when we do, either choose to say something kind or we choose to say nothing That sticks out. It's very different than the world around us. And then we're going to jump next here into some very, very, very misunderstood, misused, abused scripture from two different sides misunderstand this next passage. Verse 18 says servants. And there's some Bible versions that translate that word as slaves. And it says servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. How much does this just spit in the face of what our culture would say? And he goes on and says, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. What credit is it if you, if you sin and you're beaten for it? You do something wrong and you're punished and you endure it. It's, it. You brought that on yourself. But when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, again, it's translated slaves in some things, I think it's very important for us to acknowledge that Peter writes to us, and he's not speaking of you know, modern North American slavery. We have a picture in our head when we hear the word slave, and let's just be real, our country's history is horrific. People have used this very passage, Christians, pastors have used this very passage to excuse slavery, and to say, see, obey your master. That's what Peter says. Other people have used this passage to discredit the Bible and Christianity and to say, listen, if the Bible is silent about the mistreatment of people and the Bible is going to promote slavery, I don't want anything to do with that Bible or that God. You might read that passage and go, man, why doesn't, why doesn't the Bible speak out against slavery? Well, there's good news it does. <laughs> It does. So let's let's let the Bible interpret the Bible a little bit here. First, Timothy, Paul makes a list of people that are against sound doctrine, that are opposing the gospel, that are, he uses the words ungodly, unholy, and profane. He makes a list of these people. On that list is a word, Enslavers. That word is, if you study that word, it's people who captured other human beings and sold them for profit as manual laborers. That sounds like North American slavery. This word, servants, slaves, obey your masters, is a Greek household term. It refers to the servant class of the first century. It could be hired hands like a farmhand or a nanny. It could be bond servants. Like you guys know there was, um, you couldn't just check your credit score in the first century and you couldn't just rack up bills on a credit card. If you owed somebody money, you worked it off as their servant, as their bond servant, as their slave until it was paid off. So whether or not you're a hired hand and whether or not you're a bond servant in debt or whatever, Peter speaks to this servant class who often gets mistreated. Just like Christian cultures get mistreated by evil kings and authorities, people that are serving often have unfair bosses. Some of you guys have unfair bosses. If they're here, don't raise your hand. But he gives us advice. Submit to these authorities with respect Honor, even those that are unjust, and that word unjust means crooked. They're deceivers. They lie on your paycheck. They cook the books. They're, they're not honest. They rip you off. They treat other people better than you. Peter says, treat them well anyway. Now, that doesn't mean in a free society we have to keep that job. You can find a different job if you don't like your boss. That doesn't mean with the systems we have, you can't report it to HR. But wrong treatment to a Christian doesn't permit wrong action or wrong words by a Christian. The old phrase, like two wrongs don't make a right. That's what Peter's saying. Don't return evil for evil, do a gracious thing and suffer and submit. When Christians do the right thing, even under wrong leaders, the grace of God is revealed in us. Acting honorably, when we aren't treated honorably, honors God. I'm going to say that again. Acting honorably, even when we aren't treated honorably, honors God. And it makes him more attractive. I know this is tough in American politics, and I don't want you to get it twisted. This doesn't mean you can't be an engaged citizen. It doesn't mean there aren't issues we can't talk about and discuss and vote for change. And it doesn't mean there aren't certain things that are not worth denouncing and and publicly saying this is wrong or or peacefully protesting or whatever. But we don't, as believers, we don't join the dumpster fire of fighting and arguing and name-calling and mockery. Justin, could you snag me a bottle of water, man? About to, about to give out. Some of you are like, yes. <laughs> Some of you have a boss that is unfair, a teacher that doesn't like you, a coach that doesn't play you, a district manager that looks over all your reports. Right? Some of you have parents that go to church that are ungodly parents. Stuff happens. Thank you so much. Peter doesn't say, well, just do the right thing. Submit, fall in line, figure it out. No, he gives us an example to follow. If we stopped right here, this would be a terrible, terrible sermon. Just submit. Why? Look at verse 21. For to this, and that this is submission honorable living. To this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. You see, sin is not just what we do, it's what we say. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins, our rebellion, our lack of submission in his body on the tree, the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter quotes Isaiah, for you were straying like sheep, you were doing whatever you felt like, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Pastor Nathan joins me this morning. Peter has been teaching us for two chapters now that we are exiles, we are aliens in this world, we are sojourners, we are passers through. And here he finally gets to it and he says, listen, I have a sojourner you can study. I have an exile you can emulate. I have an outcast. You can try to be like his name is Jesus Christ, the King of glory, who chose suffering willingly, standing before Pilate, but refusing to fight back, beaten and flogged, praying for his abusers. And you say, but yeah, Pastor TJ, that's Jesus. He can do that. I could never do that. Peter tells us how he did it. He did it by entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You may not be sinless and perfect like Jesus, but you can endure the same way he did, trusting your life to someone who is going to settle the final score. Submission is not just some some concept and some abstract thing it is a life to follow and a king to trust I don't have to draw my sword Jesus is in control Peter didn't understand that at first he does now I don't have to fight Nero because there's coming a day when my God will put all the Neros of the world under his footstool I don't have to fight back I don't have to to, to speak evil of people. God is in control. I trust Him. Listen, God is not surprised by anybody that's an authority over your life, even if they are wicked and he can use them. If you will remain honorable, if you will be not a doormat, but a disciple and follow Jesus and be a peacemaker, he will use you and he will bring about good. He will even let other people that are skeptics and doubters that are spitting ignorance, he will shut them up and let them see what our God is like when you're not a sheep that strays, you're a sheep that knows the voice of the shepherd and you follow him and you don't do and say whatever you feel like and draw swords and grasp control but you trust the king who's in control whatever you're facing might feel like man i'm not in control i can't if just my boss if just my parents if just my some of you're scared to death of the world and the political climate that your children are growing up in i get it i'm scared too but the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. And listen, he's not surprised by what's going on in the world. I praise God that in this crazy world, he has chosen my little Staley Woodard, my little Olson to grow up in this world and be a light that other people might see their good works and glorify the Father. He knows who's on the earth right now. We were picked for this time. Your kids were chosen for this time. And we might be suffering servants right now, but the word tells us we're gonna reign with him forever in a place where there is no evil, there is no corruption, there is no politics, there is no racism, there is no slavery. We're gonna reign forever, hold on. Don't take control now, trust him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.